morning. Welcome to Harmony. Would you stand up with us this morning? Let's just praise the name of the Lord this morning as we sing. We have 10,000 reasons we can praise him this morning. Sing with me right here. Bless the
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. We are thrilled that you made the decision to celebrate Labor Day weekend with us here at Harmony. And we want to thank you for coming out and uh, being a part of our time together uh, today. As we celebrate Labor Day weekend, really, it's an opportunity for us just to uh, maybe take a step back and take a look at our life, take a look at the work that we do, and thank God for the opportunities that he has given us. And then kind of maybe decompress a little bit and say, Lord, help me to regroup, regather, and uh, get focused back on you. And it's a, a, a great opportunity for us to have a little bit of a reset uh, and a refocus. And I hope today uh, that we're able to do that as we gather together. Well, I want to thank you for gathering with us in person and online. And it doesn't matter whether you're on our online campus or in person, there's something for you uh, today. And I believe that it's going to make a difference in your life. If you're visiting with us for the first time in person, uh, we're thrilled that you're here, and we would love for you to come back to the Connect Center uh, before you leave today. We have a gift that we would love to send home with you, just as a way of saying thank you for being a part uh, of our, our service today, and uh, we would just love to learn more about you and how we can make a difference uh, in your life and how we can serve you as a church and, and as a part of our community. Well, today, when you're leaving today, we're going to sing a, a couple of more songs, and then I'm going to come back and uh, give a message on, on a clearer understanding of who Jesus is and what he's about from Mark chapter 8. But after that's done and uh, that's taken place, when you're leaving today, uh, you have an opportunity if you are interested. Now, this is not a book for everyone. We have them if everyone wants one, okay? But this is an opportunity for all of us who are believers and want to become a disciple maker. Anybody that's a, a disciple that wants to become a disciple maker, you want to go a little deeper in your faith, you want to share your faith eventually with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your children, your loved ones, family members. If, if that's you, on Wednesday evening for, for one hour, over the next several Wednesdays, one hour we're going to take and we're going to walk through some principles, some things that will help build habits in your life that will help you become what Jesus wants you to be. Sometimes people say, could I do that? Could I help somebody come to know Jesus? Could I help them grow in their faith? Well, what about my children? What could I do to, to help strengthen them? I promise you that the habits that are in this little book, uh, published by the Timothy Initiative, uh, some of our missionaries and people that we go on trips with and, and plant churches with, I promise it will empower your faith. And if you're a believer... If you trust Jesus as your Savior, I promise it will help you not just grow in him, but to help grow others for him. And if you would like to be a part of that, there's some books that you can pick up on your way out. If we run out today and we don't have them, wait around. I've got more that, that we can get you. Or just show up Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. And for one hour, we're going to just walk through some of these habits and it'll make a difference. If you need child care, there's a form for you to sign up on the web. We sent out an email and we would love for you to be a part of it. So if you need child care, let us know. We're going to provide that uh, during that time frame on Wednesday evenings. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I think that eight to ten hours of my life, a little bit of time outside of a, a class learning more about Jesus, uh, is more than worth it, not only to grow close, closer to him, uh, but to help somebody else grow closer to him uh, as well. So if you're interested, please do that today 
before you leave. If you're online and you're interested, just hop on over to harmonyofavon.com. You're going to find it on our website. All of the information is there, and you can get registered for it there as well. If you have a prayer request today, we want to be able to pray with you and for you, and we would love for you just to download our app. Uh, It's in the App Store, uh, Google Play Store. Uh, You can download that, fill out the Connect portion of that, submit your prayer request, uh, and uh, we would love the opportunity to be able to pray with you or for you about that. And if you're throughout the building, uh, there's uh, QR codes where you can submit a prayer request, uh, and we can begin to pray with you and for you about whatever the need might be in your life. Well, I want to thank you for coming and uh, being with us today. Uh, We've got some things that are taking place, not only today and and this class, but some things that are coming up uh, on the 19th. Jamie Regal is going to be back speaking, and uh, I know that sometimes in life we need to laugh, but we also need to laugh and be impacted. Uh, And he's going to be here on uh, Sunday morning, September the 19th. I want to encourage you to uh, uh, start inviting your friends and family. There'll be some social media posts and all those things uh, going out uh, as, as Uh, we get closer to that and you'll have an opportunity to uh, like those, share those and invite some people to come out and be with you uh, for that. So there's some things coming up in the days ahead as uh, we continue to go forward with what God has for us. But today uh, we're going to focus in and ask God to meet with us. And uh, it's our desire that we'll have a clearer understanding of who Jesus is when we leave this place in just a little while. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we've been in a series called Remarkable, and we're just looking at your word through the writings of Mark, taken from eyewitness accounts of one that walked with you, giving us the perspective, a lot of situations, the perspective of Peter. He's just writing out the words that you gave him through the the lens of what one of the followers would see. Lord, I just... uh, ask that today as we look at a few verses and as we sing a few songs, God, that we'll leave this place in just a little while or when we close out the program online, wherever we're at, that we'll be different as a result of our time with you. Father, we come to you today and we ask you to be with those that are in need, those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are facing sickness, recovering from surgery dealing with the loss of a loved one, whatever it might be, Father, we ask that you would be with them and that you would work in a special way. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? As we've been going through the book of Mark, it's remarkable to me how much they learn about Jesus in this book. And when we think about our Christian life, the only thing we have to boast about is what he has done in our lives. That's what the song talks about. Our only boast is Jesus. Sing with me right here. On the cross was a gift freely given righteousness for the weak sent from heaven with your strength by your grace we stand forgiven we lift high Jesus Christ, the name of freedom.
with me this morning. Father, I'm so thankful for your goodness. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your grace. But Father, you give it to us freely and, and you are good. So Father, as we've gathered here today to worship you, to learn more about you, I would pray that you would open our hearts, that you would send the Holy Spirit up and down these aisles and through these chairs. And Father, touch our lives in a great way today. Let us hear directly from you and feel your power and your presence in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? Let's just give the Lord a round of applause this morning for his faithfulness and uh, thank him for his goodness. He's absolutely incredible. And in fact, sometimes I think that God is so good, it's hard for us to understand his goodness. Let me ask you this, I uh, just want a, a survey of hands. Has there ever been a, a time in your life where you've had a hard time understanding something? Anybody ever been there before? Just a hard time grasping it? I, I, I read a, a story this week of a, a guy who went to his bank and, and he, he walked up to, to the bank and he went into the teller and, and, and he said, look, I need some money. And she said, fill out a check, sign it, we'll get you some money. He said, no, I need some money. And, and he, she said to him, sir, pl please just sign this, this check. Fill it out and, and we'll get you some money. He said, well, I really don't want to do it that way. I need some money. She said, sir, would you please sign this and I'll get you your money. He, he kind of got frustrated, walked away, went to the bank across the street, 
goes to the teller, says, ma'am, I need some money. She said, sir, if you'll just take this piece of paper, it's a counter check. If you'll put your account number on there, sign it, we, we can get you some money. He said, ma'am, and he was kind of frustrated. He said, I need some money. She reached out from behind the, the counter, grabbed him by the ears, banged his head on the counter three times and said, sir, sign the check. He signed the check. She gave him some money and he goes back across the street to the bank he was just at and said, well, I went to the bank across the street and they gave me some money. And the lady said, well, what happened? And he looked at her and said, she explained it to me real clear how to get the money. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something. Sometimes... We need something explained real clear. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, what we're going to discover is Jesus has spent a lot of time with his disciples, and, and he's walking with them, and it comes down to a question, really, in verse number 21, where he looks at him and says, essentially, you, you've seen miracles, you've watched me walk on the water, you, you have seen Fish multiplied, bread multiplied. You, you've now seen 5,000 people fed on a hillside. Now it's 4,000 people in a different setting and occasion. And, and here we are. How is it you don't get who I am? How is it that you've witnessed all of these things? that you've participated in them, that, that you've seen with your eyes and you've been able to touch with your hands and, and you've been a part of the experience, yet you don't get it. You see, scholars tell us that, that by this time, they, they've literally been with Jesus a couple of years. Like when you, when you read through the gospel, sometimes it's, it's hard to see a timeline and hard to figure out how long it's been going on. But, but they tell us that, that at this point in, in the life and ministry of Jesus, his disciples have been following him for, for a couple of years now. It, it's no longer just new. It's, it's something that, that is, is there. It's something that's become a part of them. Yet in the midst of all of it, there's still a lot of things that they don't understand. Well, I know that there's things about God that I don't understand, and I'm, I'm certain that, that you would say there's things that in, are in your life that, that when it comes to God, you're saying, look, I really just don't understand. I'd like to understand it a little more clearly. I'd, I'd like for the picture to be a little plainer. I'd like for it to have more meaning in my life. Well, today, as we take a look at Mark chapter 8 and we read down through some verses, we're just going to observe a few things that was taking place in the life of Jesus and in their life, and I, I believe it'll make it plain for our life today as well and give us a greater understanding of who Jesus really is. But, but let me ask you this. Before we just dive into the, the passage, before we walk through some of the things, is there something that you feel is keeping you from a clearer understanding of who Jesus is? Is there something that's, that's holding you back? Is, is there something that's keeping you at, at arm's length? Is, is there something that, that's keeping you from getting the truth of, of who Jesus really is? Now, we could be quick to, to point out all kinds of, of different things, right? I, I mean, I know that in some settings we would say, man, if I just had this then maybe I would understand just a, a little bit more. Maybe it would come through a little clearer for me. Think about this for just a moment. If, if, if we looked and listed all the if-onlys, if I could have this author, if I could have it explained to me in this way, if, if that pastor was, was teaching all of these different settings, if we could list all those and, and lay them out, 
These disciples were with Jesus, the master teacher. These disciples were with Jesus, the the one that created it all and and held it all together in his hands. And and yet, there were things that they didn't understand. And and what we're going to realize is some of those things they didn't understand weren't because they really didn't want to understand. It's they wanted to have a totally clear understanding before they would invest a little bit more of their faith. And today, some of us are wanting a clear understanding of who Jesus is and how it all works before we trust him. And can I tell you something? That's going to hold us back every time. Because here's what I've discovered in my walk with Christ. The more I trust him, the more I begin to understand him. And the more I seek to understand him before I make a move, the more I seek to understand everything before I step out in faith and and trust him, here's, here's what happens Not only the less faith I have, but the more questions I come up with. The more of a mystery he remains, not only to me, but to those around me as a result. Well, let's take a look at Mark chapter 8 and verse number 1. It says this, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me Three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. They set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. In verse number 11, it says this. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not Yet perceive nor understand, is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Jesus gives them this question. He says, I've, I've walked with you, you've walked with me. 
We've done life together, yet when, when something of an inconvenience comes up, you remember, wow, we don't have bread for the journey, but we're with Jesus. They're asking themselves, and they're kind of quarreling and fighting and arguing amongst themselves on a, on a low-key level. It's very undertone, and Jesus hears it, and, and he says, why are you wondering about what you're going to eat? Why are you wondering about what you're going to do? Do you not realize who you are with. And he begins to walk them down through some things. He begins to just have rapid fire question. He said, did, did you not see? Did you not hear? Do you not remember? How many baskets full of fragments did, did you pick up? We, we take a look and, and they said 12. 12 baskets of fragments. A, a smaller basket is the, the Greek word that, that's used. And, and then he said, and how many baskets did, did, you, did you pick up after the 4,000? And, and then they said seven. And there's a different Greek word that, that is used for that, that that implies a hamper. So, so we've got a small basket and now we've got a hamper. And he says, do you not see that I'm quite capable of taking care of things? Could you just trust me. Let, let me ask you something today. Is it possible that maybe you're seeking some, some understanding from Jesus when in reality we already have enough understanding and, and maybe we just need to trust him? Maybe we're trying to figure out this whole salvation thing. We know that we're a sinner. We know that we need a savior. We, we know that, that he died on, on the cross. We, we believe the best we know how that, that he was buried and that he rose again. And, and we're just still trying to understand all of it and fit it into our box and, and make it fit our logic and, and, and make it go, go from there and, and fit our perception. Maybe it's time for us to quit trying to make it fit and time for us just to do this thing called faith and trust and to say, okay, Jesus, the best I know how. I'm, I'm done figuring it out. I'm just going to faith it out. I'm, I'm just going to trust you. Maybe today we walk in and we've got some things going on in our life, some things that we're struggling with, some things that we're, we're wrestling with, some things that, that we really are trying to, to gain a greater understanding of, but, but maybe it's really just time for us to say, okay, God, I'm trying to, to, to figure it all out logistically. I'm trying to make sense of it, but, but here it goes. I'm just going to trust you with it. It's bigger than I am, and, and even though I've walked with you for, for, for quite a while, and even though I understand a large part of who you are, there's still some things I'm not getting. So, so God, here's what I'm doing. I'm asking you right here, right now. I'm not help, asking you to help me understand. I'm, I'm asking you to help me to trust you when I can't understand. You see, when we begin to to look at the life of the disciples in this passage of scripture, there's a couple of things that, that just stand out, a few words, and we're just gonna kind of tackle them together as we, we walk through there. One of the first things that, that you're gonna notice and one of the first concepts that happen is, is this. Uh, once again, it starts off in Mark chapter eight that there's a large crowd, that there's a multitude. And when we think of a large crowd, when we think of a multitude, uh, maybe we think of a, a, a large group of people. Maybe we're thinking a, a few hundred people. Maybe we're thinking a, a thousand, 1,500. But, but the Bible says, once again, that there's 4,000 people. And, and, and it says that there's 4,000 people that were fed. Maybe there were more people around that, that just said, no, we're going to forego. We're, we're not going to take what you, you prepared for us. We don't know exactly how it went, but we do know this. Typically, in an audience of, of this day, they, they would have counted the men that, that happened to be present. So we know there's a minimum of 
4,000 people there. And, and here's the amazing thing. We're, we're together on Labor Day weekend, and we're like, man, I just want a day off. Have you ever walked through the Gospels and looked at the, the times where Jesus said, look, I'm just going to get away? And, and he goes to the other side, and before he gets to the other side, everybody can see him out on the, the lake. Everybody can see him out on the sea, and they just kind of run around, and they beat him to the other side, and they're like, we're back, right? I mean, he shows up, and, and there they are. Yet, yet you know what the, the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus was with them for three days. Do you know what that tells me about Jesus? The first thing that we see is commitment. First thing that we see is Jesus is, is a leader. He's a person. He's a savior of commitment in this passage. There's a large crowd, 4,000 people, not his family, not his best friends, and he spends three days with them in a deserted place, in a wilderness. You see, sometimes we wonder if Jesus cares. Sometimes we wonder if Jesus is going to see us through. So, sometimes we look at our problem and our situation and, and we're like, is, is, there, is there any way out? But when we begin to look and just see who Jesus really is, he sees a multitude and here's what happens. He stays with them for three days. Three days Jesus just takes and spends, spends time with them. And here's something else that happens. Not only does he spend time with, with them, but they spend time with him. That there's an aspect of commitment. Three days listening to Jesus speak, that would be pretty cool, right? I mean, just stop and think about it. If you could think about being with Jesus for three days and, and listening to a, a three-day sermon, not 25 or 30 minutes, three days, do the math on that. Then not have anything to eat, right, in, in, in between. I, I mean, that's just kind of a, a long time. So some would be saying, man, could we do communion or something like to break it up and, and at least I might be able to get, get something to hold me over, even though that's not the purpose of, of communion, right? But, but, but by that time, we, we would be thinking a, a lot of different things. Here's, here's what we see as Jesus is just kind of spending time there. Jesus is perfectly fine being committed to the pace and the presence of the multitude and helping meet a need in their life. Jesus would sit with them for, for three days. And while he would sit with them for three days, there was commitment. There, there's this aspect of compassion. Jesus wasn't going to send them away to their own houses because they're going to faint on the way. He said they've, they've come from far away. So, so let's take a look at, at verse number two. He says this. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and they have nothing to eat. He says, and if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? In verse number five, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. Now let's just look. The first couple of verses tell us that, that he's committed and, and they're committed to him, committed to hearing what Jesus has to say. They're, they're giving him every chance, but, but then Jesus tells us something that, that's true about his character, and it's this He had compassion 
on them. Now, now why is it so important? Well, if we back up a a few chapters and and we look where he fed the multitude of of 5,000 people, most of that multitude was Jewish. When we begin to look at the region that's here, most of this multitude would be classified as as Gentiles. So so we've got a, a different group. We've got a different location. It's a different day. And here's the one thing that we see. We see the same compassionate Savior. Because if we go back earlier in Mark, here's what happens he has, com- he has compassion for the people that are like his followers. He, he goes and says, look, we got to solve it. we got to take care of it. we got to meet a need in-, in their life. And he goes to another region, a different day, a different location, a different crowd altogether. And here's what happens in the life of Jesus. Jesus says, look, we're going to have compassion on them. Did you know there's something that Jesus is teaching us, and it's very subtle, that Jesus has compassion for all that have a need? That, that Jesus came to be the bread of life for all people. We're going to get to that in in just a a moment. Do you notice the disciples said, look, what what are you going to be able to do to meet a need? How can you satisfy 4,000 people with no bread in this wilderness? How can you meet a need so great? How can you make them content How can you take away their hunger? You know, that word satisfy is kind of interesting because not only does it mean a physical, not only does it mean a physical need, but it also means other needs. And and I wonder today how many people are hungry for acceptance? How many people are saying, look, that there's something that that that's just different in, 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 in my life. There's something that I'm struggling with. There's something that feels so much bigger than I am. I wonder if God could ever help. I wonder if God cares. Do you know what Jesus is doing in this passage of Scripture? Jesus is is looking at a group of people that are different. He's looking at a group of people that have heard about him from a distance, maybe have witnessed some of the things that he's done before, but, it, but it's a, a group of people that, to a large degree, are different, yet Jesus stops, he takes his time with them, and he has compassion. Compassion doesn't just mean that you care about something. Compassion means that you're moved to do something about it with the resources that you have. And his disciples look at this crowd, and they say, okay, well, it's a different crowd. It's a different day. But they look at him and they say, Jesus, how can you satisfy these people because of the condition that we're in? Did you know what that tells me? That that tells me that sometimes you and I have a tendency to look around at the condition of our life and wonder if Jesus is enough. We, we have a, a tendency to, to look at, at the mess of, of our life, the struggle of our life. Whatever it might be, and we say, Jesus, is there any way that you're enough for this? And the answer is, is, is yes, because here's what Jesus says. He asks them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. They, they said, Jesus, how are you going to satisfy here in this lonely, deserted place, here in this 
wilderness, here in this place where we can't just run down to the store, we, we, we can't stop at the corner, we, we, we can't do anything to go and, and pick something up. How are you going to satisfy? And Jesus says, let's just take a look at what we have. Because compassion is where we care enough to get involved with what we have, to, to make a difference with what we have access to. Jesus doesn't begin to get frantic. He doesn't begin to worry. He just says, okay, what do we have? And they said, seven. So here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that Jesus is the bread of life and he can sustain us no matter where we are. So in verse number six, here's, here's what happens. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them and gave them disciples to set before them and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small, few small fish and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets, those hamper type baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000 and he sent them away and immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to another region. Let, let's just take a look at, at what Jesus does. We know he's committed. We know that, that he has compassion, right? That Jesus says, I can meet any need and, and I, I want to begin to do that. So here's what he does. He commands them. Let's, let's just look at that word commanded. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't give this big explanation. He doesn't explain everything that, that he's going to do, but he gives a commandment. And he, and he just gives a, a simple commandment and he says, Okay, you want to see what we're going to do? This is what we're going to do. And he tells the multitudes, start sitting down. He says, let's go ahead and take these seven loaves. And, and here's what he does. He begins to, to pray and he offers it up to the Lord and he, and he asks the Lord to bless it. And then he says, okay, is there, there anything else? And they say, yeah, here's some fish. And he takes the fish and, and he blesses it and, and he, he distributes it there. You know, when we begin to, to just take the commandment of Jesus, and here's, here's what he says. Jesus says, I want you to sit down and watch what I'm getting ready to do. You, you wonder how I can satisfy. You wonder how I can meet a need. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a part of it, this, this opportunity, this moment, and I want you to just sit down. So he commanded them to sit down. Well, what are we going to learn from this? That when we're seeking to understand Jesus and, and, and we want this greater understanding and we're trying to figure everything out, sometimes it's just small, simple steps that bring the greatest blessings. Because he said, look, here's the key to, to you getting fed. Just go ahead and, and sit down. For some of us, that's, that's not a new thing, right? I mean, at our house, the key for us to get fed is just to sit down. Somebody else that does all of it, right? Well, well in this case, Jesus is saying, I want to teach you a greater truth. I want to teach you something a little bit more. He says, I want you to, to sit down. So here's what happens. They sit down and discover that following the simplest commands brings an incredible blessing. So they sit in front of Jesus, and here's what they do. They're able to observe what he does. I want to notice what he did this morning. The Bible says that he took what they had, and he broke, and he prayed, and he blessed it. Then he involved others and he set the food before them. So let's observe what he does. In this passage of scripture, he prays twice. 
a miracle that Jesus performs, and he prays twice in this one. It's unique to the book of Mark, praying twice for this. You know what, that, that, that tells me that when I'm sitting there observing Jesus, I, I can go ahead and I can call on God as needed. But then I, I look at how he does it. I observe what he does. He just takes it, he breaks it, he prays and asks, his God, to, asks God to bless it. And he involves others and they set it out before him. But we observe how he does it. The greatest thing that he did was he looked to God and then he told others, hey, I want you to take and, and pass it out. But let's take a look at what he did it with. It was small. It was insignificant. Just some loaves and a few small fish. What's, what's that tell us? It tells us that when we listen to God, when we follow him, even when we don't completely understand that the smallest of things put in God's hands, when we listen and follow his commands can accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished. You see, when we begin to look at what Jesus did, he looked to the Father twice. He takes the small fish. He involves other people. He passes out the bread. He passes out the fish. And, and here's what happens. There's more than enough leftovers again. When, when, when we're trying to understand everything and we're trying to get greater clarity on everything, I, I I get that. I appreciate it. But sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is just to say, okay, I, it, it doesn't make logical sense as to why you're telling us to sit down. There's 4,000 people and there's seven loaves. Why are we going to sit down? How can we satisfy this crowd with so little? And here's the reality. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus was going to give them something greater than just a meal. Jesus was going to demonstrate who he is and what he came to do. And that Jesus alone can satisfy. Isn't it amazing? The disciples had access to the bread and the fish, but they brought it to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus alone can satisfy. And, and, and some of us today are looking to the resources of everybody else rather than what's available to Jesus and what's available through Jesus. And we go and we say, man, why can't they meet my need? Why can't they satisfy? Why can't they do this? Why, why can't they do that? And here's the, the reality. We're, we're never meant to do some of those things when Jesus is not at the center and Jesus is not involved. You see, they took and put what they had in the hands of Jesus and, and everything changed. Let, let's take a, a look a, a little further. N now what happens? They, they get in a, a boat. And they go to the region of Dalmutha. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Why do you always want me to prove who I am? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. In verse number 13, here's what happens. And I just want you to get the first four words, and he left them. And he left them. Let, let's, let's take a look at, at the conversation that takes place. In verse number 11 and 12, Jesus is, is chased down and questioned by the Pharisees. 
He's questioned by the experts. And, and here's what, what happened. They, they wanted a sign. Why did they want a sign? Because they had very little faith. They, they, they said, we, we don't understand everything, so we want you to prove who you are to us. And here's what Jesus does. Verse number 13. He left them. You know what that tells me? We can sit around and, and want a sign. We can want a, a greater understanding. But at some point in time, we just have to believe. In a verse number 13, when it says, and he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Do you, do you know what that tells me? We're either sailing with Jesus or sailing away from Jesus. And it's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. It's not an understanding issue. That the Pharisees were supposedly some of the best and the brightest and the Sadducees and in other groups of that day, they were schooled and they had a mental understanding, yet they were missing a simple faith because it was too simple. They said it's got to be harder than this. We're really good at making things complicated. We're really good at making things difficult. There has to be more to it. And, and Jesus said, well, why, why do I have to, to give you a sign? Why do I have to prove more of who I am to you? you? You've witnessed some of these things. Well, now here's where it gets really interesting. Because now he's in the boat with his disciples. It says, and he left them and getting into the other getting to the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And here's what happens. Then he, he charged them saying, take heed, be, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And then he begins to ask them questions. You see, it appears that they left the bread and that's all they could worry about. It appears that they, they've got one loaf and, and maybe they're, they're hungry and they're, they're worried as to how they're going to make it again. Jesus begins to ask them some questions. Jesus says, how is it that you've seen me, heard me, all of these different things and you still don't have understanding? They're, they're worried about bread, and the guy that's multiplied bread twice is in the boat with them. Think about that for just a minute. They fed 5,000 people from nothing. They fed 4,000 people from nothing. And there's 12 of them plus Jesus in the boat, 13. Don't you think he can handle 13 people with a loaf? Just do the math. But because they couldn't understand it, their, their mind couldn't even do the simple math. Get this, they walked with Jesus, they watched Jesus, they worked with Jesus, yet they didn't understand. What did Jesus tell us? Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What, what was Jesus saying? Pharisees were legalists. They said, man, this has got to be right here, and we're going to line it up right there. And they always added something to it. That's what a legalist does. A legalist doesn't follow biblical laws. A legalist follows biblical laws and then invents some of their own. 
And then they say, we're more spiritual than you are because we're following our own rules. And by the way, you don't know anything about them because you're not on our level. Jesus says, look, has the leaven, leaven, the evil of the Pharisees, has that gotten in your way? Then there's the, the, the aspect of Herod. He says, don't let the evil of the Pharisees, who are supposed to be religious people, get in your way. Don't let the, the leaven of Herod or the evil of Herod get in your way. What, what, what is that? That's the, the worldliness. That, that's going through. Remember, Herod's the one that protected John the Baptist while he was in prison because he liked to listen to the message, but he never wanted to change his life. Remember that? He said, man, John, I like a lot of the things that you got to, to say. So, some of your messages, man, they get me fired up. And I, I'm, I'm almost that close, but I, I, I just don't want to have to make the changes that I, I really need to make. You see, sometimes that's, that's what keeps us where we are. We, 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 we say we want an understanding more, but, but the reality is, is we just don't want to make some of the changes that, that we need to make. But, but what about another group that often creeped in? The Sadducees, they, they were the, the local liberals of the day. You see, they, they believed in God. They, they believed that a Messiah would come, but they didn't really believe in spiritual power. In any way you, you line it up, the disciples could fit in, in one of these groups at this moment. He says, evil has crept in and you want a greater understanding. But Jesus ultimately says, here's, here's what you need. You don't need a greater understanding. You need a, a greater trust. You've walked with me, you've worked with me, you've watched me. What, what, what more is needed in your life? You've witnessed the things that I've done. You've seen what only could be accomplished from one from God. You see, we could ask the question, what was keeping the disciples from understanding? Because Jesus walks down through where they were and what they've done. And he says, how is it you do not understand? You see, they believed in Jesus, yet they lived like he didn't exist. They believed in the bread of life, and the bread of life was in their boat, yet they were worried and they were wondering how they were going to eat. And the one that could take what they had, the one that could create what they didn't have, was right there in their midst. What was really keeping them from understanding? I think that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even Herod were all familiar with Jesus, yet they weren't filled with faith. And sometimes I think as Christians, we've walked with Jesus and we're familiar with him, but we're not really filled with faith. We know who he is. We've trusted him and we've asked him to be our savior. But when it comes to a struggle, when it comes to us doing something for him, when it comes to something outside of our comfort zone, we, we look and we say, I'm, I'm just not certain. I'm not certain. I don't know that I could ever do that. And Jesus looks at his disciples and said, how is it that you don't understand? What's keeping you from understanding? And we go back to the evil of the Pharisees. He says, beware of the leaven. The evil, the sin, the influence of what's keeping us from trusting him completely. You see, today, 
We might say, I need a greater understanding, but, but the reality is this. Let, let's just pin it down and ask the question in a different way. What is really keeping us from walking with Jesus by faith? What's really keeping us from understanding that the guy who created the loaf, that the guy who is the bread of life, the sustainer of life, the one that can do all and be all and is the all in all that we need. What's keeping us from seeing that he's right there in the boat with us? Maybe it's pride that we don't want to have to be dependent upon him. Maybe it's that same thing, pride that's keeping us from saying, I'm wrong. Maybe it's us being in a position where where we're not saying, Lord, fill me with your faith and help me be dependent upon you. You see, the the bottom line is it could be a host of of many things, but but the reality where we need to get to is, is just a simple question. What is keeping me from trusting him? You see, when when we ask, how is it that I do not understand? What do I need to understand Jesus more? The reality is, is this. We just need to trust him. And I know for people that like answers, and I know for people that like to have a formula and figure everything out and know what's coming next, I know that can be extremely difficult, but I want to tell you something. When we begin to trust Jesus for who he is and let him be our bread of life, our sustainer of life, everything changes. And when we begin to trust him a little bit more and we begin to walk with him just a little bit more, you know know what's going to happen? We're going to understand him on a whole different level. And one day we're going to look back and say, wow, I can't believe I didn't understand him at that moment in time. Can you imagine the disciples after they figured out the resurrection thing, looking back, talking with each other, going, how is it that we didn't trust him for a loaf of bread? You remember that time we argued and he said, what's wrong with you guys? What's keeping you from trusting me? It was our own way of trying to figure it out or it was what somebody else was going to think of me or it was what, what another group was doing or getting ready to do. What's keeping you from understanding now let's let's not look at it like that let's ask today what's really keeping me from trusting because some of us are saying I can't trust I can't trust what I don't understand well I'm going to tell you this what I understand I generally don't need to trust what I have a real working knowledge of and what I can take care of myself that doesn't need much faith. And I want to tell you this, we can't live the Christian life apart from trust and apart from faith. So today, let's make up our minds to quit trying to understand every little aspect. I didn't say to quit trying to learn. I said, let's, let's quit trying to understand every little aspect and quit saying, when I completely understand salvation, then I'll give my life to him. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Trust him today. Don't, don't say, hey, when I completely understand all these little things that he calls me to do and asks me to do. Don't, don't say, when I get there, then I'll start doing some of those things. No, let's do it today. Let's trust him today. Let, let's start trusting him and then understanding and let God work out the details in our life. Because just as he took care of the multitude... And just as he was committed to be with them and compassionate and willing to have conversations, 
and willing to confront. He's willing to do all of those things with us today. So today, let's say, I'm ready to trust. Let's seek to learn a little bit more. Yes, but let's first seek to trust him and let him give us the clarity and understanding we need in this life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know for certain that Jesus is your Savior? If you're not certain that he's your Savior, here's what I want to remind you of, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time. The Bible says that we're all sinners, every last one of us, a sinner in need of a Savior. We're sinners, meaning that we've missed God's mark. We've missed the perfect life. Maybe today you would say, I'm a sinner. I know I've not lived a perfect life. But maybe you would also say, there's got to be more. And the truth is, is there's more. You see, we're sinners. And the only payment, the only wage that sin could give us is eternal separation from from God. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus came into this world to live a perfect life and to go to the cross and to make the payment for your sin and for my sin, the sin of the world. And now whoever will trust him, whoever will ask him to, to forgive their sins and to say, I want you to be my savior, can be saved. Jesus has done everything that, that needs to be done. And I know that sometimes we're anxious to try and understand it. But the only thing we need to understand, we already understand. And it's this, we're not perfect. We have sinned. We get that. Today, if you get that, if you understand that, I, I, I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, then right here, right now, don't put it off, don't wait another moment, right here, right now, just say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I believe that I need a Savior, and the best I know how, I'm putting my faith and trust in you as the one who went to the cross, as one who was buried as the one who rose again, I'm asking you to be my savior. If you'll do that today, Jesus will save you. He will be your savior. Don't delay, don't put it off. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I've already done that. But honestly, I'm, I'm one that seeks a little more understanding. I want everything to be flat and level before I, I venture out and know that I can do it. And, and here's the reality. Just like the disciples had the one who was the creator who would make bread even possible and could do more with it when it was back in his hands. I want to remind you to just say, Lord, would you, would you help me to trust you that you are the bread of life and that you can satisfy and you can sustain that you can guide me and you can take care of me no matter where you want me to go in this life. Maybe that's you today. I would encourage you to make that your prayer. Whatever God is speaking to your heart about, I want to encourage you as we close our time together in prayer that you offer that prayer to the Lord.
Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we're broken people. We're hurting people. We're people that are filled with faults and failures. But by your grace, you allow us to come to you, and we're thankful for that. So Father, today I pray that if there's one here that needs to know you as Savior, that right now they'll pray that simple prayer that goes just like this. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm asking you to be my Savior. Jesus, help me to live for you. Lord, for those that need that prayer, that need that faith, that need that declaration, I pray that you'll help them to do that. Lord, for the rest of us that maybe already know you but are struggling in our faith, that are struggling to trust, help us, Father, to trust. Help us to not be like the the Pharisees and, and to be left with our questions. But help us to get in the boat and to sail with you. Because, Father, we're either sailing with you or we're sailing away from you. There's there's no in-between. So, Lord, I ask that you would help us today to walk with you, to trust you. And, Father, to let trust give us a greater understanding of who you are and our relationship with you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank you for gathering with us. Thank today. you for being a part of today. Harmony on your way out, you're going to have the opportunity to give in one of the offering you. boxes. You know, when we think about the love online, of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that He gave His life for you and for me. And all God we have to do to is simply if, put our faith and trust in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's a as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed that, God's uh, mark of perfection, and putting are, your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried, and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your sin, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Uh, and, and I'm asking you to moment. forgive me you go my ahead sins and, stand up and to and we'll be talk my that Savior. Long, uh, promise and he remember, will do it. On your way out, if you've if made you would that like decision to be a part today, of that please class, let us know. On, on please Wednesday reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is uh, and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family and you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home, and I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life, and I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.